Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. If you would like some more information about us, please visit adventurechurch.co.za. We hope that you will enjoy today's message. So, I, I thought this morning I wanted to go through some questions. And these questions determine the health of ourselves and the health of our church. And, and there's four questions specifically for us as individuals, and there's three questions for the church. Now, I think it's good for us to ask now, where this stems from is, this comes from Greg Garrett, who preached at the Equip the other day out at Glenridge. And, and he asked these questions, and I've been working through them, pondering them for my own kind of outwork of my own life, and, and figuring out where do we fit in as Adventure Church? What's happening? Uh, where are we? Uh, how are we doing? And it's, it's very easy to try and gauge the success of something by earthly measures, and often in the context of a church, we look at... Um, how many people are in your congregation? How many people are on your leadership team? How many people are doing this or doing that? How big is your venue? Um, how good is your cash flow? And there's a whole bunch of different things that it's easy to look at and say, this is the success of a church. But, but we know that that's not actually the case. That is us trying to measure something using an earthly perspective on a spiritual outworking. And, and sometimes, actually, it is completely different to that. So I think some of these questions help give us an understanding of how are we doing? How is our health? I've said to us before, when we look at the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself, there's four components that it speaks of of the person that makes up a whole person, which is their physical, their mental, their spiritual, and their emotional. And, and, and are those areas of our lives healthy? Are those areas exercised? Are those areas in a place where they're well rested? And that therefore, that we as an individual are in a good space. So when we love our neighbors as we love ourselves, that we give the best of what we can do. And, and in a church context, it's similar. I think, how are we doing as a church? And I asked the question last week, um, what is our impact and our influence? Like, where do we see something that we, we're having this impact and this influence in, in how we do things? And the first question that is being asked is, what is God saying to you personally? Now, the beautiful thing that we do is we don't live in an Old Testament understanding of this. And I'm so grateful that we don't. Because in an Old Testament outworking, what happened is you had to rely on a prophet to come and bring a message from God. And, and there were some key times where some individuals had this divine encounter with God in the wilderness and there, was, there would be an angel that came to visit them and you see that in the, in the likes of like a Gideon. But, but kind of across the, the board, you would kind of wait for this prophet to come and bring this, this divine download from heaven. But we're not those people. Access to the Father, and we, we get to hear it. Jesus says, I no longer call you slaves, but I call you friends because friends know my Father's business. So, actually, we get to hear from Him, and He speaks to us. And what is God saying to us personally? What are the words that He's giving to us? Prophetic words and in prophetic encouragements should be there to bring confirmation. And sometimes they come before the confirmation and we kind of put them on the back burner and we hold them there. And then one day we look at them and we say, but that prophetic word confirms this word that God is speaking to me now. And that prophetic word now comes into a place of fruition. 
I have a little pot plant outside and um, I had a little acacia in there and the acacia died and it subsequently disappeared. The other day I saw these two little mounds coming up in the pot plant and then I saw two little shoots and, and I've got what looks like a little strelitzia that's growing in there and there's two of them. I don't know where the seeds came from. I must be honest because I never planted them. There was a little acacia in there and the acacia died. So I don't know how this thing is growing, but there's two of these things in this little pot plant and, and they are bursting forth. And I think sometimes that's like prophetic words in our lives that, that we, they come and, and afterwards we see them come to a place of fruition, but we just got to keep them on the back burner. Just hold them and, and allow those things to be tested until an appointed time. But, but we've got to be a people who hear God for ourselves. We don't have to rely on others to hear God on our behalf because we prophesy in parts and we know in parts. So we've got to be a people who are intentional about hearing this. And, and what is God saying to you personally? And then what is God saying to you for others? So Paul says, I desire that you are all prophetic. Now, there's, there's two components to, to this question, and there are some things where there's prophetic, where you invite a person up and we, we speak a prophetic word over them. And that's amazing because you're giving them a message and, and it's encouragement and it builds us up. And if you look at 1 Corinthians 14, it says the purpose, purpose of prophecy is to build up and encourage and edify the church. So as an individual, when you get a prophetic word, that's amazing. It should be something that brings life and brings encouragement. But what is God saying to you for others where maybe he doesn't want you to share it for them? But maybe he wants you to contend for them or pray for them. Are we, are we praying for, for one another daily? Paul says, I, I, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Um, when, when, when I, think, I think it's the church of Ephesus. Or, but, but he's saying, I, I constantly remember you. It's, it's, a, it's a, 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 a kind of present continuous thing that he does regularly um, one of the things that I've loved that Shanae's kind of sparked in me is we, we've started going for walks in the, in the evening around Palm Lakes and she'll get to a certain house and pray over the house and, and sometimes it's you guys within the congregation and sometimes it's people we have no idea who they are but, but there's something of a stirring over this family and, and we'll just pray over them, bless them speak life over them and the question is, what is God saying to us in the context of other people? And are we, are we trusting him to hear for those around us? That could even be in the context of the lives of our children. What are we seeing and what is God speaking over our kids that we can contend for over their lives and, and play an active role in it? The third question is, what is God wanting me to do now? And, and, and linked to that is, what am I to continuing and what am I to change? Because maybe there's something that God's wanting us to change and to work on or to shift how we do it. And that might be something with an inward change that we need to work on because there's something that, that God's bringing a conviction. But it might also be something practical. Don't direct your efforts in that area, direct your efforts in this area. Or, even though you don't want to, continue directing your efforts in that particular area because there's something that I'm busy doing there. But how do we know that if we, we don't ask the question? Um, I'm going to find the scripture quickly. 
The third question is, what is God wanting me to do now? And what is he wanting me to continue in or change is linked to the same question. Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we're going to be a people who are testing the will of God in our lives so that we know where we're going and what we're doing. John 3 verse 8, I'm jumping around here, says where Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus and he's talking about him getting born again and he says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born with the Spirit. And, and now this is something is, what are we hearing? Are we hearing or seeing rumblings in the distance? where we can align ourselves because God is ultimately the one that brings this thing from left to right. And sometimes you end up getting a strelitzia and a pot plant that you never planted. And, and it's like, that's amazing. Supernatural fruitfulness that I had nothing to do with. I've never watered it. I've never done anything, but it's growing and it's thriving. And that's amazing. But, but what, what, Lord, what are you doing? And, and sometimes we have to, to hear the rumblings. I remember when I bought my car and um, I had this very professional transaction, although I know the, the, the lady who I bought the car from, she works at Ford in Richards Bay. I, uh, her daughter is in ministry, and I know her daughter well, so I know she's a, she's a believer. But as I was walking out, she said, Nick, do you mind if I share a prophetic word with you? And she said, I believe there's a rumbling coming. And listen to the rumbling, because God's busy doing something. And turn your ear to the rumbling. And, and, and in the context of this is... Um, where, where's the rumbling? What is God busy with in our lives? Now, I know that there's the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is Matthew 28, Mark 16. And that is making disciples and, and bringing the gospel to everyone around the world. And is healing the sick and casting out demons and raising the dead. And being witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. And every single one of that, that is a global call through the global church. And every single one of us have that to do. But there's also specifics that we've got to work through. And what are the specifics that God is busy doing in our lives? Who are the people that God's bringing into our lives? And, and how does that work? What are the things that God's wanting to equip us with and prepare us for? So, so I love seeing Matt learning to play guitar. What is God preparing in him with his guitar playing? And, and, and he needs to figure that out as well. He needs to ask, like, Lord, what is it? And I was saying to Kayla last night, we were driving in, in the car, and I said to him, oh, girl, I want to share something with you, but I'm trying to share it. I, I don't want to impose this on you, but I want to share my heart as a dad over you. And, and I said, my desire is that you have such an incredible revelation of God that you cannot help but be invested and involved in what we're doing as a church. But, but that it's not just because I'm saying do this or do that or go here and do There's something I, I have to lead you into it. But my desire is for you to see life in this thing. 
So that when you see life in it, you cannot help but align yourself with it because you have a personal encounter with Jesus. You have a personal relationship with Jesus. And there's stuff that, that I know for her, she wants to learn how to play the keyboard and she goes and she sits and she practices on her own and she's teaching herself the keyboard. Why? Because there's something of this that's birthing inside her. I'm trusting for her that there's a moment when she, she unlocks the spirit of worship over her life through her relationship with God. But for me, that in itself is something that I acknowledge as a rumbling over her life. There's a desire for worship coming through. And, 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 and as, as a dad, I want to like, walk with her and encourage her and lead her into it so that she sees this, this incredible fruitfulness that comes from it. Number four for us is, what is God wanting me to hold on to in my life at this point? So what are the things that we're wanting to change? What are the things we're wanting to continue in? But, but, but what are the things that God's wanting me to hold on to? And sometimes these are big rock promises. Maybe there's promises over your life that, that has kind of dwindled and started to, to grow dim. And, and there needs to be this rekindling. And sometimes there's these little embers that are kind of just there. And I don't know if you've, if, if you've had a bri where the embers are kind of the ashes covered the coal and the embers are just there and you go throw a fresh piece of wood on and you turn around and you look back and this thing's a raging fire because the embers have ignited the fuel that you put onto it and all of a sudden there's life and maybe there's promises that have been spoken over you as, as an individual, over you as a couple, over you as a family, but, but maybe there's promises that you're needing to hold on to in this moment. Lord, what is it that you're wanting me to, to grab hold of? And then for us as a church, what do we as a team need to hold on to in this season? And, and that could be in the context of ministries that we are involved with and there might be ministries where, where God is saying that season has come to an end and there's new life in this season. So maybe we don't have to hold on to that. What about the promises that God has spoken over us and the vision that God's given us as a church? We know that there's a promise of a venue. And um, I was chatting to a gentleman yesterday and he speaks about us being a home church. And, and we are in our circumstance, but we're definitely not in our vision. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it, but that's not the vision that God's given us. That's purely the context of where we are at the moment, but God's given us something different in terms of our vision, and we will see that come to fruition one day. But do we hold on and contend for these things? I'm going to skip number two. I want to go back to that last, because I think that for me at the moment is the key to how I introduce this. But the, the, the next one would be, which leaders and which people does the Lord have his hand on right now? Where are we seeing life in that? And over the people in our church, over the children in our church. It's easy for us to look at it and heard a, a, a person at an altar call one day and a, and a little kid and an adult got saved. And um, after the altar call, this individual said, one and a half people got saved today. And everyone assumed that they were referring to the child as half a person and the adult as a full person. They said, no, 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 understand the child still has a full life to live, but the adult's halfway through theirs. So one and a half people got, got saved today. And I think we've got to have that perspective of what is our perspective over our kids and, and what are we seeing in them 
Are we calling out of them? Um, I, I was sharing with Kayla this morning. I don't know why um, she seems to be the the the, the, <laughs> the topic this morning. In, 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 but but I was sharing with her this morning, and I was talking about how. Our, our weaknesses are often the shady side of the mountains of our strengths. And we've got to be careful because sometimes, the, the, we, which is actually the possibility of a strength, manifests as a weakness because we're not sure how to look after it. And, and the first hockey match I ever played, I, I had to give up playing rugby. I, I had too many concussions and too many injuries. And so I, I landed up going and playing hockey. And my first hockey match, I had a very gracious ref. And, and this gentleman called me to the side and he said, son, that's a hockey stick in your hand and not an axe. Please use it appropriately. And I'll never forget because what he could have done is he could have just red carded me and sent me off because there were many children on the other team who were very grateful that their parents bought them shin pads. And, and I had taken out a couple of kids and it wasn't intentional, but, but the reality is I was not aware on how to utilize the tool that was in my hand. And, and therefore, I was misusing it. But, but put that uh, hockey stick in a professional hockey player's hand, and it's amazing how they move, and the ball sticks to it, and the ball goes wherever they want it to go, and they glide with it, because they are familiar with how to do it. And sometimes our weaknesses are... It just needs to be refined. And all of a sudden, they, they start to come, and we drag them from the shady side onto the fully sunside. And, and are we seeing that in the lives of people as well? And do we call that out upon them? And then lastly, what are the signs of grace we are seeing in the church right now that we can celebrate? And this goes back to that whole picture of church success. And, and what, did, what does church success mean? And if, if we're seeing signs of God's grace over people, over places, over moments, and, and I mean, I look at my uncle coming and joining and, and moving into Tinley Manor, and there's grace over him to break open that community. All of a sudden, there's people that we know, and I, I, I'm, I'm going through there, and I'm like, oh, but so-and-so lives here, and so-and-so lives there. And that. I didn't know these people before. But there's grace over that. We've got a heart for that community and God brings and strategically positions someone in that place to break open and all of a sudden infiltrate their homes. It's amazing. That's a sign of the grace that, that we're experiencing. So where do we see grace over us as a church that we can celebrate in this moment right now? And I think there's many areas. And, and, and I think the one thing that's really been stirring on my heart in the last while, and, and I'm kind of, for me, contending for this in my heart, is an attitude of thankfulness. An attitude where I, I start off my perspective on something through a filter of thankfulness. Philippians 4, I love how it starts off. When we always start off... Um, uh, by prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, present your request to God. But the words that preceded say, the Lord is at hand. So therefore, by prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and Christ, uh, minds in Christ Jesus. 
And we've got to be careful that we don't see opposition as a lack of grace. Because sometimes we can look at it and say, clearly this area is not working because I'm not getting victory in it, I'm not gaining ground in it. But we might be facing opposition in it because that's exactly where we need to be contending and where we need to be fighting and where we need to be looking for a breakthrough so that we can see what God's doing. Shonai and I are busy reading through the book of Nehemiah and the, the, the context of it is Nehemiah goes back to help build the wall of Jerusalem and while building the wall of Jerusalem, the enemy sees what he is doing and they start trying to draw him into the valley of Ono. And someone once said, nothing good happens in the valley of Ono. But what does Nehemiah do? He says, we will not be distracted from building the wall. So what happens is the men were armed with a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. So they were building with one hand and defending with the other. And, and we've got to be that people. And sometimes we'll look at that and say, there's no grace in that area. Therefore, that's the one area that we must actually change. That's the one area we mustn't hold on to. But for me, if we are not facing opposition, are we in the war? And it feels like there's been a season where there's been heightened opposition. And I'm talking to people and I, and I get the impression that there seems to be an increase of opposition. That tells me that we're getting closer to the area of breakthrough. And we've got to contend for the promises. Just even as I'm talking, I'm looking over you, at you guys. You have a promise over your life and you guys have a, have a call over the two of you that, 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 that has, a, has a role to play in just unlocking the lives of people. I had a lady come to me on Friday afternoon after the soccer and she got you and I confused. So I'm not sure who it's a compliment for, but I'm going to take it as a compliment for both of us. <laughs> but she said to me, I'm so sad that you're going because of the impact that you're having in the lives of these boys. Huh? How amazing is that? And I listened to you talk today about the character of, of leading these boys into how do they honor the coach? How do they honor the ref? What, what you're doing is you're raising the bar and that's by playing soccer. So how intentional are you in that moment to do this? Probably not very. It's a natural byproduct of who you are and who God's called you to be. But God's doing something with you guys. And, and because there's a promise and you've seen the prophetic promise, you've already seen God's hand in it, you're going to have to contend for this promise to come through. You're going to have to hold on to the promise that God's spoken. Why do you have to hold on to the promise? Because the promise is going to be challenged. And, and you walking into the fullness and the fruitfulness of it is not going to do the enemy a lot of good. So he's not going to want it to take place. And, and stand firm and be steadfast in this time. Because it is going to be challenged. It's going to be brought into question. It's, it's going to, the, the enemy is going to want to sow confusion so that you hesitate. Shanae's dad has a saying, Scotty, when I hesitate, better when I lucidate. Um, if you're going to hesitate, rather don't do it. It's basically the premise of this thing. And it's a combination of Afrikaans and Fanagalore. And, but this, 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 the premise of it is we can't be a people who hesitate. I love the, the One Republic song, Wildlife. And it says there, uh, step or jump right in, but please don't stand. 
So it might be a, I'm going to step and take a step of faith. And we talk about it. And sometimes that little step feels like a giant leap. Or, or sometimes it's just a dive right in. But, but please don't stand. And, and what are we contending for? And what are we holding on to? And what are we fighting for? And sometimes we need to hold on to these big rock promises, recognizing that the moment God speaks them, they will face opposition. But then it's also good to celebrate where there's grace, to celebrate where there's life, to celebrate where there's fruitfulness, even in the midst of the opposition. Someone looks and says, but that guy's had an impact on the life of my child. How did he have an impact? No, he ran and he spent time with them. I don't know the context of the little boys that are playing there. And I don't know what's happening in their home lives. But I can tell you the world is in desperate need of fathers. And, and that doesn't mean that we have to necessarily be weird and, and say, I want to father you. But, but how are we as fathers, speaking to the, the guys here, how are we as fathers getting of that in the lives of those around us? Jesus says, I only do the things I see my father doing. And he was probably, or I say probably, let me rephrase it. He was definitely the greatest reflection of a father on earth. Why? Because his, the, the, his ability to father was a byproduct of his ability to be fathered. So, um, we want to trust for God to, to utilize us for moms. Saw a little girl yesterday and... She had put on her own makeup and she had got her mom's lipstick, but this lipstick was everywhere. And one of the guys chirped her dad and said, um, were you the one that did your daughter's makeup? And um, the dad was laughing. He said, I think I could do a slightly better job than that, but not much. But, but that's an area where a mom comes into her own. And I, I, I'm not saying that moms need to go and put makeup on their daughters, but, but I'm saying there's something of that where, where, where the world needs moms. I've seen kids recently, a, a little guy in particular I'm thinking of, who's, who's lost his mom. And, and I can... Only imagine what it must be like for a lady to come and just embrace him. Guys, we're living in a wounded and broken world with people who are hurting. And, and we can look at times and we can try and measure the success based on statistics. But God hasn't sent us here to be a people focused on numbers and statistics. He's been sent us here to be a people focused on people. And, and I'll use this example again, but, but your involvement on a soccer field is advancing the kingdom. And some of those little boys might never have an opportunity to witness the role of a father 
in the way that they see you fulfill that. And, and I want to say to us, I want to end off with this statement here, that there's a difference between a burden and a responsibility. A burden is something that carries a very heavy load on us. Whereas a, sponsor, a, a responsibility is a weightiness. And, and, and a weightiness isn't heavy like that. And we have a responsibility in the lives of people. We don't want to carry burdens, but we have a responsibility to love and to lavish and to walk a road with. And, and I'm so grateful for this group of people and the fact that we have a, pr a privilege of loving people here in, in Palm Lakes, in Tinley Manor, in, in KZN, in Belito. Every single one of us has a role to play. We've got two teachers, and we spoke about this last week. And you guys have access to lots of children. And you get to see the best and the worst of them. You get to contend for them, get to love them. Get to work with our colleagues. We get to, to infiltrate the homes in, in Tinley Manor. We, we have this, this incredible platform and, and, and John had a prophetic word and he, he referenced it in his um, preach the other day of pile foundations being placed strategically within this region. And once the pile foundations are all in there, God throws the slab. And, and the thing about it is the slab is connected to the foundations, which means that there's an incredible sense of unity in that picture. Each of these pile foundations is churches, lampstands being strategically located in this area. So that God can bring a, a, a unified foundation. The Bible says, he, and, and, and ultimately, He's the capstone. Architecture, when they build an arch, and you get to the middle part, you've got the section that sits like this here, and you put in the capstone, and the capstone brings stability to the whole thing. So you don't even need um, concrete to hold this thing together. So you, you, you pile these areas up, and you stabilize it, and you drop in the capstone. And the moment that you drop in the capstone, the arch itself is stable. This an incredible capstone in who Jesus is. And he comes and he wants to do something amazing. And he wants to use every one of us. 